Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another ACB community event. I am Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, and we are live on Zoom and streaming over ACB Radio. So this is the third in our three-part series on this year's, the 2021 ACB Legislative Imperatives. These are the three bills and issues that our members and affiliates will be bringing and placing priority on in the meetings with their elected members of Congress as they set up their meetings for the week of February 22nd as part of the ACB Legislative Seminar. And to learn more about the ACB Legislative Seminar, as well as the entire DC leadership meetings, Sunday, February 21st through Tuesday, February 23rd, please visit the ACB website uh, under news and quick links. You can find information about the legislative imperatives as well as how to register for the DC leadership meetings. And we are blowing away our registration numbers from previous years. Uh, why is that? Well, there's, there's a whole lot of energy around ACB right now. A lot of it's coming from this ACB community and um, a whole lot more is just people are excited and it, affiliates are seizing this opportunity to get new members involved with ACB's advocacy efforts. So kudos to all of you that have signed up already. And if you haven't, please join us for the DC leadership meetings and legislative seminar. Uh, you can register and participate over Zoom. You can listen on ACB radio, your A-Lady devices, the ACB link app, and who knows, we might even be streaming live to Facebook and YouTube. Um, and of course, all of this information will be archived as podcasts and available for listening and viewing at your leisure. So as we get started here, I just want to say thank you to Debbie Hazleton for streaming us on ACB Radio and Sheila Young, our facilitator, hostess with the mostest here this evening. Um, and before we launch into our third legislative imperative, I want to have a quick conversation with one Cindy Hollis. Cindy, how are you doing this evening? I am so good. How are you? I am doing great. <laughs> thank you. So, Cindy, we just had a President's Hump Day happy hour yesterday. We sure did. talk a little bit about uh, scheduling these meetings with affiliates. And some of the questions that came out of that were... Uh, what are some best practices or tips and tricks for conducting a Zoom meeting? Sure. So I do want to preface this by saying that there will be another call next week for people to take part in if they have more questions around this topic. So I'm not going to go into too much detail at this point because I know a lot of these questions will be answered on Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern. But one of the big questions was around, you know, 
even setting up the calls uh, and or the meetings. And we just reminded folks how important it is to set up these meetings just like you would any other meeting, with the exception that now it has a virtual element. And you can be in the driver's seat and let them know that you would like to meet via Zoom and provide them the Zoom information. We also believe that if at all possible, you'll want to use video and we'll turn that over to Kelly in a minute to talk about that. I think the most important thing is to ask one, to not have too many people on the call with your legislators uh, or their representative. Maybe four people maximum uh, two and three, I think, are ideal. Uh, have a plan in place before you ever go on that call. Who's going to take the lead with the conversation and presenting the imperatives to your uh, legislator or their uh, aid? Uh, is it going to be each of the three people each taking a different imperative, but have that planned out. Who's going to share their story? Because we know that it is that personal story that really impacts these, uh, these legislators and their aides. They remember the stories. So they also remember faces. So that is why I believe it's really important that where possible, you use video. And stay muted when you're not speaking. So this is why it's important to have a plan in place. And remember, you can use the space bar if you are on the computer, whether it's the PC or Mac. You can use the space bar, hold it down, wait like about a second, and then start talking. Don't let go of it until you're done about a second. Then you can remain muted the whole time. and. Uh, and not have to, uh, you know, worry about Alt A or Alt uh, or Command Shift A on your respective uh, computer. And you know, finally, I think that it's just really important to be cognizant of the time and make sure that you know you're using your time wisely and uh, not keeping them longer than you would normally if you were in a meeting and think of it as being in, in the room with them. So, and as though you're sitting around a table. So that's how you want to talk with them. So that's, that's some great, that, great pointers yeah. there, Cindy. Uh, some of the main takeaways that I had from that was you want to be memorable, right? Part of the reasons we do these meetings is to advocate for specific issues within these meetings. But another part of it is building relationships, yeah. uh, building relationships so that we can be allies and trusted resources in the future and that we have allies and partners to share advocacy initiatives with in the future. So if possible, you know, use, use video. Uh, that'll be easier for some than others. But fortunately, we have Kelly here to offer some some tips and tricks on that, but also cut down on the background noise, use mute, have a plan in place for who will present what topics, who will share their stories when, uh, because much like we're doing here this evening, 
we don't want to have a, a bunch of people all talking at once, right? You know, there's, there's over 40 of us on this call, but we're doing a, a good job of having one person speak at a time. And that's because, well, partially with, with Cindy and the Zoom, Zoom hosts, we're just getting so dang good at it. But really, it's, it's practice and it's experience. So we can all learn from these examples um, of how to have an effective conversation on either a conference call or the Zoom platform. And if you're able to use Zoom with audio and video, great. If your affiliate or your members would be more comfortable dialing in or using a, a phone conference line, you know what, that's fine too. Uh, but if you are interested to use video, we've got ACB's own Kelly Gask here as well to offer some advice on how to try to make that video look as good as possible. Hey guys, so um, uh, thank you, Clark and Cindy. Um, that was a really good introduction um, because I think it's really important to be on video um, because people can see your face. Um, it makes you more memorable and um, you know it, it makes people listen to you a little bit more. Um, as Clark mentioned, you know, if you do feel super uncomfortable using video, you could always call in, but I would definitely recommend it. Um, there's a couple of uh, best practices that I would recommend. First of all, um, you want to be in a room in your house that is well lit. So uh, if you're meeting, um, you know, during the day, make sure you have good natural lighting. Um, otherwise, you're going to need to have an overhead lamp or um, some sort of a desk lamp that you could use. It's always better to have the light coming from the front than it is to uh, coming from the back or even from the side, just because when the light is coming from behind you, your video tends to get a little bit washed out. Um, so that's that's probably the biggest thing that I would I would mention is just you know think about your lighting. Um, additionally, you know these people are seeing inside your house, so make sure you're in a room um, that's not very cluttered. If you want, if you're tech savvy, you could always use a virtual background that can kind of you know um, knock out a little bit of the clutter in the background if you do so have it. Um, but otherwise, you know just just find a nice uh, environment to sit in. Um, you know, additionally, if you are just, it's just like you're meeting in person, right? You want to make sure that you are dressed professionally. Um, so, you know, you can wear your flannel pajama pants as I am right now, but you might want to be wearing a, a nice dress shirt, um, on top just so you look, um, you look good, uh, because it's just like if you were going into their office and meeting them in person, you want to make a really good impression, um, if you are concerned about being centered within your frame, um, really easy. You could always ask the person when you call them, Hey, can you, can you see my face? Do I need to adjust my camera at all? Um, that's something that you can do. Another option that you have, uh, is Ira. Um, you don't need to have a paid membership with IRA. You can have just a free account and um, you can call them with your smartphone and they can just take a look at your video uh, and make sure that you're, you're centered, your face is within the frame. Um, but really, uh, if you guys can use video, I would definitely recommend that you would. And um, if you have any questions, you can email me. Um, my email is kgask, that's K-G-A-S-Q-U-E at acb.org. And I'm happy to ask any further questions that anyone has. Thanks. And Kelly, you, you mentioned something that I will do at the start of a call, whether that's with our 
corporate partners, uh, you know, folks within ACB, or when meeting with government officials. You know, we're all getting on the call. Everyone's getting situated in those first couple of minutes, especially if we get there a couple minutes early. And as we're just chit-chatting, I'll say, you know, hey, uh, my, my video is on. Uh, do I look centered in the frame? Are you having trouble seeing me? And they might say, you know, well, I can't see the top of your head or it uh, looks like you have spaghetti sauce on, on your shirt <laughs> because all you know what you had for lunch. And, <laughs> and I say, oh, well, let me let me adjust. Is that better? And they're like, yeah, that, that looks great. And then and then it's just like anything else. You know, you go on, go on with the call. In some ways, I think it may even help drive home the point that I, they are speaking I was just- with. I was going to just say that, Clark, you know, I think it humanizes the, your uh, interaction when you have to point out without saying it, but, you know, asking for some assistance with making sure that you're in the, the frame and they can see you. It reminds them that they are talking with somebody who doesn't see as they do. And the, the other thing that I heard from Kelly that I thought I would just point out if you are totally blind and you may not know this but if somebody says your head is being cut off it means that you likely want to scoot your screen back lean it back just a little bit so that the view goes up if you bring the screen closer to you the top of the screen then it's going to hone in further down you know from on your face so if it's if they say it's cutting off the top of your head then you just scoot it just a little bit slightly back lean it back thanks for the suggestion cindy that's a that's a good point you just need to adjust your monitor a little bit yeah just a little bit usually yeah a little bit goes a long way yeah all right well kelly thank you so much for that here this evening we won't won't keep you any longer than we have to and folks Again, if you have more questions about uh, the Zoom meeting, Zoom etiquette, we are going to do another community event next Tuesday, February 16th. So look out for that on the community event schedule. All right, and now we are going to launch right into it. Our third legislative imperative for the first term of the 117th Congress is the Exercise and Fitness for All Act. This bill was introduced last year by Senator Tammy Duckworth, primarily uh, from Illinois as S-1244, and two other senators joined her, Senator Casey from Pennsylvania, as well as Senator Blumenthal from Kentucky. So we all know that uh, for by large part, exercise and fitness equipment is not accessible, right? We know that people with disabilities and people with vision loss are more likely to be obese, have diabetes, uh, experience chronic heart conditions. We know that diabetes is the leading cause of vision loss for working age adults, and that the diagnostic testing and monitoring equipment for managing 
these conditions also has accessibility barriers. Um, but it all starts up front with you know, we can't manage our own health, right? Because those tools are not accessible. We can't do the, it's more difficult to do the preventative things that would help us live more healthier lives. Um, another option, other than working out indoors, is to work out outside. And <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to our call on Tuesday evening about the transportation access in barriers. Uh, and part of that conversation was about uh, pedestrian rights of way. We have an environmental access committee. And so many times we hear about access barriers uh, to outdoor fitness and exercise and navigation, whether that's um, inaccessible sidewalks, lack of accessible pedestrian signals. Um, so even if we wanted to work out outside, walk, get some fresh air, there are barriers to doing that as well. Um, so what ACB is seeking, along with our partners in the cross-disability community, is a reintroduction of this bill. Again, it was first introduced in the Senate. It was only Democrats that introduced this bill in the Senate. And I, I see no need for that. I think that with our members and the meetings you all will hold, that we can work to get bipartisan support for this legislation. It was introduced as a House bill as well uh, by Representative DeSaulnier from California, as well as Republican Don Young from Alaska. There were three more House co-sponsors and they were all Democrats from California as well. I believe they were Lofgren, Eshoo, and Patton. So what would this bill do? Um, so this bill would require that exercise facilities you know, which are Title III entities, places of public accommodation, according to the, to the ADA, um, they already have to make their physical premises accessible, right? Uh, you know, they, they need to have accessible entryways, um, accessible bathroom facilities, zero entry showers. Uh, if they have stairs, they need to provide elevators, and they need to have passageways that are wide enough, uh, primarily for, for wheelchairs. Um, but these, these requirements have never been extended to the physical cardio equipment, right? The treadmills, the bikes, the ellipticals, the rowing machines. And ACB has had some, some success working directly with manufacturers, but much like other parts of the economy, it is, it is really taxing for an organization like ACB to play whack-a-mole and have to go manufacturer by manufacturer by manufacturer to fight for our rights. So we are looking to enlist the help of Congress, the Department of Justice, and the US Access Board to create guidelines and regulations that would require the manufacturing and deployment of accessible equipment in 
exercise and fitness facilities, um, whether those are standalone gyms and fitness centers or they're included in hotels, schools, universities, government buildings. Um, you know, I mean, think about all the, all the places we go, geez. Every time at, a, at an in-person legislative seminar or an in-person conference, how the ACB staff and convention coordinating team works with the hotel for them to add tape or braille and label the exercise and fitness equipment. Uh, so one of the things that we are asking for in these access board guidelines is for them to take a look at the industry standards that already exist. And believe it or not, there are already uh, standards created by industry to provide audible output and tactile user interfaces for exercise equipment so that you could have uh, raised buttons and know what buttons you're pressing to have a headphone jack and receive audible output from the controls as well as the metrics of a workout while you're performing that workout. Uh, in some ways, uh, we, would, we would love to work with the, the industry as well as the access board to ensure that we are encompassing all exercise and fitness equipment. Uh, I'm sure many folks who watch commercials now see a lot of video-based exercise and workout equipment, uh, you know, smart internet-connected equipment that's using a touchscreen monitor and display. Uh, well, in most cases, it's a touchscreen, just like our phones, our tablets. There aren't buttons, but we still want to make sure that we have access to those too. Or if they have a headphone jack, or if they provide wireless audio output, we want to ensure people can access the, uh, the audible output in that manner as well. So we really want to ensure, and when we get down to brass tacks, it's we want non-visual access to this equipment so that someone who is blind or who has experienced vision loss can independently operate this equipment so we can improve our quality of life so we can combat these chronic health conditions that plague our membership and the broader community. Sorry, I'm just scrolling through my, through my notes here on this one. Um, so one of the questions that I've already received and an item in here is uh, ensuring that a fitness facility can provide at least one employee to assist a person with a disability throughout a workout. And this, uh, this sort of question, personal um, you know, assistance in a place of public accommodation comes up a lot. And this, this will not be all encompassing, right? Um, direction or a, um, helping you get oriented in the facility, um, guiding you through a class, you know, those are things that could be considered in this scope. Um, but the, the ADA does not require for uh, personal care when it comes to uh, guidance or assistance, right? So 
uh, in terms of the like locker room, bathroom, personal facilities. Um, this is this is not something that would extend to that regard, but it certainly would help people learning equipment, learning the motions for an exercise class, building that knowledge base so that people could take what they learn and be more more competent and more confident that they have the skills and tools necessary to take charge of their own health and well-being. All right, and a big part of this one is really gonna go back to what Cindy, Kelly and I were talking about just a little bit ago. And like we talked about on the, uh, the other imperative conversations, and it's gonna be sharing your personal story. Uh, you know, how many times have, have all of us encountered these barriers where you travel, travel for work or you travel for an ACB event and you want to use the gym, but there might not be someone in there uh, to help guide you to the equipment or to help you start it. You might not have a good internet connection to fire up IRA or Be My Eyes. Um, sharing those stories. You know, having the conversation about being isolated at home, especially now in a pandemic and not having access to accessible fitness and exercise, you know, for mental health, for physical well-being. I think these are the things that are really going to help drive home how important this is as an issue for ACB, our members, and the broader community. So at this point, Sheila, if we have any questions on this imperative, we can open it up. Sheila, I think you're muted. I'm sorry, I was muted. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> and you know what, folks, if, if that happens in your meeting, guess what? That's okay, because it happens to everyone. <laughs> exactly, and I'm, and I'm a Zoom host. <laughs> um, yes, you have a question. Whoa. Leslie, go ahead. So Clark, hello, good evening. Hi, Leslie. Are you interested in exercise and fitness? Oh, I think I might be. <laughs> this is very near and dear to my heart. So I'm so, so excited to see this imperative this year. I've I've got a lot of stories to share with, with my LAs. I know I won't have much time, but you know, I'm I'm one of those people that goes to DC leaderships and the ACB conferences and I'm always asking you or Janet and everybody's always like, I know, I know. Please mark the machines. You know, um, my good friend Donna Brown and I, we go to the gym every morning at 6 a.m. before we have to sit in our chairs the rest of the day and get our minds going. But we have to get our body going first. So um, it's it's just been really, really awesome to see that you've come on board and Janet Dickelman and everybody, you know, is just really talks to the hotels and gets the machines marked before we go. But this is such an important issue because... You know, everybody has the ability to work out, you know, you can do it. It doesn't take much to walk on a treadmill, but it takes a lot to walk into that gym, you know, Clark. And, and if you can't do the machines and they're not, and you don't have somebody to, to advocate for you and say, you know, could you mark this machine for me? 
And why does it have to be like this in this day and age, you know, because there's so much technology going on now that we don't have to go through this. You know, this this would be a wonderful bill to be co-sponsored by, you know, part by um, both by both parties. So I, I look forward to this imperative. Um, I, I am so, so excited about it. So thank you so much. Um, you know how dear and near this is important to me. So. I've been certified as an instructor for 25 years in Orlando, and I'm just excited. So thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, so. Leslie. And ACB is not the only organization that supports this bill, we, and we are not the only uh, blindness organization that supports this bill. So in addition to Good. ACB, the Blinded Veterans Association, NFB, uh, the U.S. Association of Blind Athletes, our partners in the, the cross-disability community, you know, in addition to the, uh, the provisions for blind and visually impaired users of equipment, there are provisions in this bill for uh, wheelchair users to have access to accessible exercise and fitness equipment. So World Institute on Disability, uh, the American Association of People with Disabilities, Special Olympics. That is so uh, awesome. I mean, yep. that is that, that is so awesome. So it can be done. I I go to gym in Key West, and there's no there's no touch screen on a treadmill. I can I can get on the treadmill <laughs> on my own and work it. So it it is possible. So keep up the great work. Thanks, Leslie. Okay, Robert, you may unmute. Thank you. I have a two questions, uh, please. Uh, one. Uh, do we have a list of those manufacturers that uh, have those devices that are in fact accessible that we could pass on when we are um, in in these uh, meetings with the legislators? So we do not have a list. And I think part of the reason is because to my knowledge, there is only one piece of exercise and fitness equipment that is fully accessible and independently operable out of the box. And that was through ACB's advocacy work last year with Peloton to add the Google Talkback screen reader to the Peloton bike. There are other pieces of cardio equipment that may have tactile user interfaces with buttons, but it's still a visual display of your workout metrics and data. There are other pieces of, of equipment that'll connect to a wearable, uh, you know, like an Apple Watch or something like that, or to a, an app on your smartphone, but then that raises the barrier of entry and requires someone to have access to a smartphone in addition to a gym or exercise equipment. Thank you very much. My second one was, can I be added directly into uh, the emailing of these meetings? Uh, I received this, for example, as a forward, and I don't want to miss the, the next session. Uh, Cindy, would you like yes. to take that one? Bob, if you just send an email to community at acb.org and let me know you want to be subscribed, I'd be happy to subscribe you. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila. Bob. <clears throat> Sheila, go ahead. Hey, hi, Clara. Can I'm I 
like Leslie and everybody, or some of everybody, uh, are very happy that we're focusing on this. And um, I had um, a question that was a little bit like one of the ones Robert raised. I was wondering where we are um, making the most progress in terms of accessibility, or where do we have the furthest to go? Those of us with sensory disabilities in, in being able to access the control panels, or do people with um, physical disabilities have uh, less machines to work with? Where, where do we need the most work? I thought that might be, come up in our advocacy. Yeah. Um, I don't think we should have to choose. Well, neither do I, but I'm just wondering where, which are we the, sure. I mean, where are we I doing the worst it, or doing the best? It depends on your perspective, right? So uh, some of the organizations we work with, people in who are in wheelchairs, if they're paraplegic or quadriplegic, um, you know, a, a treadmill, an exercise bike, an elliptical, will not work for them, right? There are pieces of equipment where they can use their arms, but there are very few pieces of equipment where they can get an upper body workout that will also uh, stimulate their lower body. Uh, That's which, sort of what I was asking. Yeah, which has a lot of positive health effects as well. So this bill would help, um, you know, put guidelines and regulations in place to provide equipment for people in those situations. And it would also provide for people who are low vision, who have the physical ability and dexterity, um, but just can't get past that dang barrier of entry to be able to turn on or select a program, uh, adjust the speed or resistance of the cardio equipment. Right. And that leads me to the second question. You already said the word guidelines. Earlier tonight, you mentioned that there were some industry guidelines already in place. Um, are those things that, that we're happy about? And do they still need a lot of work or a little? And are, are we going to be bringing those up? Or do you wanna share with us who has developed those? I wanna know more about those guidelines. Yes, let me pull that up right now. Um, who may... It's ASTM, uh, the American Science Technology. Technology. Yeah, let, I am. <laughs> I will keep looking for it. That's okay. You don't need to, you know, take the time to do that. I just was curious if it was something sort of set and it sounds like somebody, and have you looked at them or are we pretty happy with those or? We just yes. On, on the whole, I would say that we are pretty happy with them. You know, they, they are similar to other accessible engineering design standards. So they, they, they do get, they do tend to be a bit prescriptive in that regard because that's just how engineers yeah. are um my my only concern and something that i'm raising with um our colleagues who helped provide input on the standards and uh who are, are our point of contact uh when the stand when it's time for the standards to be updated um 
is that the standards were done several years ago before touchscreen and video user interfaces became commonplace, right? It yeah. kind of like how the, the iPhone shifted the, the, the wireless phone market. So I, my one concern is that I don't want us to be stuck with old technology because the standards say that you must have a physical button and five centimeters to the left of the physical button is the headphone jack, gotcha. right? So if there's a way like Peloton has done to provide non-visual access through a software screen reader, um, I, that, that provides comparable access. If we can connect Bluetooth headphones, wireless headphones that provide more range of motion and prevent getting a headphone cord tangled in a piece of equipment, then I certainly want us to be able to gain access that way as well. Thank you. Thank you. Doug, you may unmute. Good evening. Um, Good evening. My, uh, let's see, uh, I had two things. Uh, well, the little. Um, we talked about on, uh, I think it was Tuesday, we talked about um, the um, uh, the screen readers and, and the uh, CCTVs and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I wanted to get on then and say, we have a great opportunity this year because we are calling from home. If we have one of those pieces of equipment, we could demonstrate how we use them uh, where we couldn't do that when we were sitting in their office. So that was one of the, and, and the same thing goes, if you have a treadmill at home, uh, I have a treadmill here that I've stuck some, uh, you know, some dots on to, uh, you know, some braille dots to, uh, to sort of, you know, delineate where to, where the up uh, and down um, speed buttons are and the inclination and de declination buttons are and that kind of thing. And if we, you know, if you want to show those off um, quickly, uh, uh, you know, that might be a great addition to, uh, to the story. I think th those are great points, Doug. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Cheryl, you may unmute. Hello. I am... If I could, I would be, I'm jumping up and down like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, is there access where we can see all this in writing? You know, what your, pro, what this proposal is, what this, you know, is, is it on the website or somewhere where we can have access to, to read over what you were just kind of sharing about? Yes. So okay. on, if you go to acb.org. Mm -hmm. in and then you can navigate by headings to either news or quick links okay. and you will find links for the dc leadership meetings as well okay. as acb's legislative imperatives okay um, excellent so I, yep so that's a great yeah. place to start and if you haven't registered you can register there uh, i registered the first day it was announced fabulous <laughs> i love it and um 
I'm Cheryl. I'm in New York State, and I go to a gym where there's, I mean, we have 85,000 square feet of gym, you know. I'm at a Gold's gym that's got, it's like a spa, fireplace in the lobby, you know. Um, so, um, but this has been an issue for me always, you know, mm-hmm. with them. They love me and they dislike me. So, um, <laughs> cause, but I do it in a very loving and nice way. What I was thinking of when you were talking about how some people would need access to the phone, to a, to a smartphone, what came to mind was when people go to the theater and they have those devices. Now, I don't know if this would work, but having those devices that, um, say, someone who doesn't have a smartphone that would connect somehow, you know, is is activated with the equipment mm-hmm. for the audio. So, you know, and that maybe they can use their own headphones or whatever, but just another option of possibilities that might work mm-hmm. with some of them that for someone who doesn't have even and even still, when we do have our devices, I know myself when I'm in the gym, it the Wi-Fi is not always, you know, or even the Mm -hmm. data. You can't always get it when I'm in certain spots, you know, especially because our gym is so big. I can't get um, the the signal all the time. So that's an issue. So it might have to be, you know, something interior or something. So anyway, I'm just so grateful and and I'm excited about all this. So thank you. Thanks. Great. Thank you. Thank you for thanks, sharing. Thanks to all of you. <laughs> Thank you. And I think... I'm sorry, Clark, go ahead. Well, yep, I was just going to say, to go back to Sheila Styron's question about the engineering standards, that is the American Society for Testing and Materials, ASTM. And uh, to the last... Uh, attendees or speakers points about how movie theaters have a device that they provide you for audio descriptions or closed captionings. Um, that That is a possibility. So gyms could offer if they had equipment that could be connected or provide accessibility through a smartphone. Um, if if that's the way that they wanted to go, they could provide an auxiliary aid or service, right? Um, but they would need to ensure that that was available so that even if folks did not have their own smartphone, that they would then have a smartphone um, or some sort of piece of equipment, that auxiliary aid to interface with the equipment. So that is, that is something that they could consider. Um, but as our last speaker pointed out, there might be connection issues with a solution like that. It would also be another piece of equipment that they would have to keep track of, keep updated, keep working. Um, so it, it's, it's a possibility. Your next question, I believe, is Donna Brown. It says Mountain State. Oh, it, it, it is me. Hi, Donna. Hi. Sorry, I never, well, I can't change it in webinar. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, one thing I had thought of the Wi-Fi thing, um, 
you know, when I raise my hand, um, that certainly is an issue. I think in about any gym I've been into, especially mm-hmm. like in hotels and, you know, different places. Um, but also I was sitting here thinking, I thought, you know, I, I've exercised, well, basically all my life. I don't even know what I don't know about on a lot of this equipment. Um, so, because, you know, they all have these menus and, and workouts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm, probably missing something that I would really enjoy. Um, so I, I guess if I understand how it could work is, is like these menus would, would talk then. I mean, is that kind of the, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think, I think about how, how technology has provided access to us in other settings and environments, you know, whether it's an accessible kiosk or an ATM uh, using a using a computer and being able to navigate the files and applications and menus. Right. Yeah. Um, so also, you know, um, they are, you know, there's all kinds of apps and even the, the new, what is the, on the latest update, the fitness, whatever it is mm-hmm. on iOS. Um, and, and it's got, you know, workouts and stuff and, and they're okay. But again, there's all kinds of visual aspects to them. To, you know, to, if you really are serious about, you know, following the workout and trying to do what really is, you know, going on in the workout. So there, there's a lot of possibilities, a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of angles at the whole thing. And I'm glad you mentioned about even the outdoor uh, barriers that, that we experience. And so many people maybe can't afford to go to a gym or, or can't afford equipment, but really all of us should be able to get outside and walk some. Um, however, you know, the, the barriers sometimes um, prevent that from happening for people too. So if, if I were to walk in Romney for exercise, I'd be in the hospital probably because the sidewalks are terrible. And anyway, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and there's I, no sidewalks in a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, the the barriers can be daunting at times, and yeah. they can they can make us not want to try. Right, but yeah, you know, not everybody can afford a, a gym membership, and you know, things like that. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so so this is certainly something that we would hope by having regulations that require manufacturers to make this equipment that it would be available in, uh, you know, it, it would eventually become available because it's been created to community centers, YMCAs, public oh, yeah. facilities, okay. yeah. Title II entities, government buildings, school facilities. Um, but the, wow. the real barrier right now is having that equipment available manufactured in the first yeah. place. Great. Thank you. Wow. Absolutely. Thank you. Clark, this is an hour, right? It is. Are we Okay, we've got seven hands raised in ten minutes. So All right. if you have six one three is your last three of your phone number, please unmute. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. This is Jane Perry and I'm from the Bay State Council of the Blind affiliate in Massachusetts. And I am visually impaired. In fact, we have no vision now. I'm in the healthcare profession, but I also recently went to cardiac rehab. So 
in this piece, I hope you would include education because two facilities, types of facilities you forgot to mention was hospitals and rehab facilities. Because I had a cardiac issue, I had a valve replaced, I had to go to cardiac rehab. The first thing, the first day after we had education in the classroom, went into the gym, the physical therapist who monitored the gym said to me, I said, well, I need an arm to get in there. I need a sighted guard. She said, well, how are you going to get on and off the equipment? Uh, that really threw a thorn in my side. So I think they need to know a little bit more about people's visual impairments. When they see a cane, they have no idea what you're talking about, especially in the healthcare facilities. I know, been there, done that. And on some of the equipment, I think like the treadmill, I have a very bad balance issue. But if you had rails on the side of them, so you could hold on and still use, do your work on treadmill. I think that's a great thing. And also, I love to row, and I used the rowing machine every day when I was at the Carroll Center for the Blind, and it was low, but they wouldn't let me get on it. So I think also you need to have something so that people can get on and off of this equipment safely. And along with the, with the other thing is, is the, um, the screen. Once again, I think I've spoken to you this about this before, when you're dealing with aging population that go in to have their hip replaced or their knee replaced or have a spinal injury that um, you, need to, you need to help them understand that they're just as important as somebody, as a young person. And with the phones, yes, it's great to have an iPad or a smartphone. But a lot of the aging population do not want to deal with the modern technology. But yet they still have the right to go and get exercise and um, to be healthy again. And the other thing with outdoor, we have a beautiful new park. But there's no rail trails. You know, like you have a piece of two by four proportion, like say every way feet with a rope around it so that you can trail and not fall off the berm. I think that's important. So I thank you for listening. I think this is great, and I hope you get some of these things incorporated into the bill, if not now, in the future. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you. Have a great evening. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for those points, Jane. And I'll also point out that the, um, the AARP is a supporter of this legislation, and uh, providing education and instruction is um, in an accessible way is part of the bill as well. So thank you for all of those great points. Larry, you may unmute. Larry? Larry, you can unmute. Is that better? Can yes. I hear me? Okay. Yes, we can hear Hi, you. Larry. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought I had it on. I, I have a comment and a question. The comment is that uh, I was working, I've been working several years now with the uh, uh, senior center and their exercise equipment. And what we were able finally to get them to do was to prepare uh, description uh, instructions on how to use the equipment, which they made available electronically in Word. And they also were willing to make available in Braille so that it kind of helped uh, people be able to utilize the equipment even though it wasn't real really friendly but it was to mm -hmm. some degree uh useful when you knew what you were doing and you didn't have to ask for 
you know, one of their employees to help you. Uh, so I'm wondering if that's part of the bill. Are you going to uh, suggest or in, uh, recommend that they include that type of uh, supporting instructional information be made available in an accessible format? And then the second question is, are you asking for a percentage of uh, equipment to be accessible, like 10%, 20%, or all, or what? Yes, to your final point, for uh, large you know, gyms or fitness facilities, it would be proportionate to the, the amount of equipment they have to how many pieces need to be accessible. Um, and to your first uh, statement in question about providing accessible materials, um, I think that that's a great interim step. That's kind of like what Leslie Spoon was speaking about earlier about putting uh, tactile markers, um, tape or braille on exercise equipment so that it can be used. Um, but we really see, at least I see that as a, a kind of stopgap measure, right? Um, I think the, the, real, the real purpose and the real thing that we need to strive for is something that individuals may use independently um, that, that will not be a substitute for knowing how to use the equipment, but it will make it possible for folks to use it independently. Okay, we have five minutes. Um, I think this is Tom Babcock, but I'm not 100% sure. You may unmute. Hello. Yes. Hi. Hey, this is Tom in Orlando, Council of the Blind. Um, I have two questions. I'll be real quick about it. I am, uh, I'm real excited about all this because I'm a personal trainer in training right now. Uh, but, uh, and this, I tuned in a little late because I'm technically challenged anyway. Uh, this is for in-home and fitness center equipment. Is that correct? This is for, yeah, so for commercial equipment, whether it's sold to be used in the home or it's sold okay. to be used in a place of public accommodation or a Title II facility. Because I had, a, uh, when I started on this little journey that I'm on, uh, I was went out looking to shop for an elliptical because that's what I wanted. And uh, I went to a sporting goods store and a young man uh, helped me and the ellipticals he had were too big for me. And he said, let me, um, obviously he knew I was blind. He said, let me uh, do some research and let me see what I can find for you. And he did. He, two months later, he came back and he found a very safe elliptical that I can get on by myself. It has a screen on it, but it has buttons on the side that, you know, can increase the tension or whatever. But the screen above it, I can attach my phone to. And then I can, uh, it sort of connects to it. And, uh, but it was, uh, my, I guess my point is, what about, you know, fitness stores, fitness equipment, uh, salespeople, shouldn't they also be, uh, maybe some training but he was very good and i asked him after i bought it i said how did you know that he goes i wanted something for you to be safe with that you could do by yourself and i thought that was very i was very impressed with him uh yeah yeah that sounds like good customer service 
It really was. It really was. And I just thinking uh, if some of these salespeople could be get some of this equipment and be educated on it. And, you know, I, I think that's going to that's going to fall to ACB and our members and the things that we do so well in many other instances, even when there are requirements for things to be accessible here, we can go back to the movie theater model. There are, uh, well, all theaters are you know, required to provide closed captioning and audio description, but some are better at training their employees than others. Some are better at maintaining their equipment than others. Right. Um, so, I, so I think that ultimately it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to come down to the work of our members to be knowledgeable and work with those salespeople so that they understand as, you know, nationally or as, as our affiliates also work with the, uh, the corporations and the parent companies to yeah. ensure that they are providing the necessary information for those salespeople and representatives to be able to speak knowledgeably about the equipment as well. Okay, thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank we've you. got time for one more. Andy, you may unmute. Hi, I'm Andy from Washington State. I'm the second or the first vice president of WCB, but I'm a martial artist. I teach martial arts, two different styles. And while something on Zoom, everybody is saying, oh, get in this position. Turn this way. Mm -hmm. um, which to a blind person doesn't mean squat. Also, um, I just had to buy a new uh, recumbent bike, stationary bike, and I was told that there's no way that I could get one that was accessible for a screen. I'm, I'm in favor of what's on here, and I'm going to the legislative session to tell my, hopefully to tell my story. Anyway, thanks. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, it's, uh, I know that frustrating experience of trying to find uh, a piece of accessible equipment, and I'm sorry that you haven't been able to find a, a recumbent bike that meets your needs in, in that regard. And I, along with everyone else, sure do hope that you have the opportunity to share your story and your experience with your members of Congress. Um, so as Sheila said, that was our last question for the evening. Thank you everyone for joining us uh, to discuss the Exercise and Fitness for All Act. Please get with your state and special interest affiliates to coordinate those Hill meetings so that you can share your stories with your members of Congress. And if you have questions about conducting uh, virtual Hill meetings, please join us next Tuesday, 6 p.m. for another community event with President Dan Spoon and Second Vice President Ray Campbell. And please visit the ACB website to uh, research the legislative imperatives and register for the DC leadership meetings. And as always, keep advocating.